Welcome back everyone to a brand new series of the Young Adult Novel Audio Podcast. So the first series, I'm going to just call it season one, um, we read or we listened to Supernatural Academy by Maria Grant. Um, that one just ended, so if you haven't checked out that book, um, I su- highly suggest you listen. Those are chapters 1 through 26. It ended, oh my gosh, ended on a cliffhanger. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but you should go You should go check it out. Um, so I did contact the author, and I was like, hey, like, do you have anything else? Um, and they do have another book. It is not published, so you guys will be reading it or hearing it for the first time. Um, again, it's not published. Um, but if you are interested in me reading a book or you have something that you want to recommend to me, I have a Facebook page um, on us at YA Audio Podcast. Again, it's at YA so young adult ya audio podcast go to that facebook page leave me a comment let me know what you guys want to hear and i will certainly go ahead and um read that or buy it and check that out now we are getting started on a brand new book again this book is unpublished it is called the immortal mage chronicles so this book kind of has a little bit of everything in regards to the supernatural element um it's another academy for um supernatural students but it's not supernatural students it's for mages so they call themselves mages and it looks like there's going to be some people who are called immortals, some very powerful people. There's a lot of original stuff themes in here, um, like their power levels determine with a color status. Um, I have been reading a couple chapters already, so I'm looking forward um, to sharing this with you guys. It's called The Immortal Mage Chronicles, um, and the main character is a girl named Callista. Um, so I'm excited to get started with it and I'm excited to share this with you guys. Again, brand new book, not published, so this is the only place to be able to hear it. Um, without further ado, chapter one, she's a maroon, not pink. There's a faint voice echoing in the room. It's a voice she's heard a few times before. It's dark, with a low tone and sinister. It makes goosebumps coat her arms while also making the hair stand. The voice doesn't say anything except, It's almost time for you to join me. Calissa has been ignoring the voice since she was nine years old, and she's ignoring it today. It used to give her nightmares, but now she's at peace. Callista lays on her bed and places a purple pillow over her face. She screams before allowing the object to rest over her hazel-colored eyes. Her thick, short brown hair flares on the dark gray 
silk sheets as she hugs a pillow to her chest. She moves it up and sits up, looking around her room with tight lips. Her new room is larger than her old. She shouldn't be complaining, but it feels empty and cold here. The floors are hardwood and there's a large brown desk in the corner of the room with a black desk chair and a full six-drawer dresser. The closet is fairly large as well and the bed is a queen. There's a television mounted on the wall and there's a beanbag chair sitting by the edge of the bed. The same number of items used to fill up her old bedroom, making the space seem like home. Now, however, the items sit idle, looking out of place and underwhelmed. Calissa gets off her bed as she goes to her closet. Her items only fill up half the space. She's never been one for materialistic things, mainly because she grew up with her grandmother who had a fixed income. Now Calissa has everything she could ever want at the touch of her finger, and yet she couldn't be more displeased. She hates it here. She hates her new circumstance completely. She's not happy, nor is she content. She wants to escape. She will love nothing more than a runaway, to flee this place that's holding her hostage and preventing her from being where she needs to be. Back home in Wyoming with her grandmother, Annabelle Tillman, no, instead, Calissa Tillman is here in New York at a secret academy hidden from the rest of the world and only from ages. Calissa has known she was a mage her whole life, always being told to keep her powers dormant, hidden. Not that Calissa is powerful anyways, at least in the magical world. When Calissa was four, her mother told her that she had no power and was a failure, told Calissa that it was an embarrassment to have Calissa as a daughter. Then she shipped Calissa off to live with her grandmother, Annabelle. A week ago, Calissa's entire world was rocked when her grandmother grew too ill to take care of her. Not that Calissa needs anyone to take care of her anymore. She's 16 years old. However, Annabelle insisted she didn't want to have Calissa watch her die. So Calissa's mother, Brenda, reluctantly took her in. Funny enough, Brenda Truman is the dean of Lachey School for Mages, which is an isolated and hidden institution in New York near Hutts Point, Pensilla. Brenda is the dean simply because Annabelle's grandmother, named Lachey, established the school in 1906. There are spells on the school to prevent it from being discovered, and it really does help mages grow into their powers and utilize their gifts for good. The students also get real educations and life experiences, too. Calissa honestly thinks her mother is doing a good job at running the place. The issue is the fact that Calissa doesn't belong here. The students at the school are the best of the best and are merely looking to enhance their powers. Each student has to take a level test before entering that determines how much power they have. In five minutes, Callista has to take hers. She already knows her mother is going to flip when she sees how little Callista has. Ding! Callista flips over and reaches over to her nightstand where her phone is resting. She sees a text from her grandmother asking her to call really quick. Callista dials a familiar number. Hey, Grandma. Calissa says softly as soon as she hears the woman pick up. I know it's about that time. The woman immediately starts talking. Remember what we discussed. Calissa nods and looks to the floor. She knows Annabelle's referring to the conversation they had right before Calissa left the house. 
Calista was finishing up packing with Annabelle when Annabelle had caught up to her. The old woman had a stern look on her face as she told Calista to keep up the front, to keep their secret to herself. Calista promised then, and she will promise now. I won't let the secret be discovered, Calista says with conviction. Her grandmother has given her a reason to live. If the woman wants Calista to keep the secret, then she will. The truth will never escape her lips. Probably. Most likely. Maybe. A thumping on the door brings Calista out of her thoughts as she heads towards the noise. Opening up, her mother Brenda is standing before her with an irritated expression upon her tan face. Calista sighs and goes to tell her grandmother she has to go before grabbing her room keys and locking up. You should have already been in the room, Brenda starts with her condescending tone. Grandma called and Calissa gets cut off by her mother grabbing her light brown thin arm and practically dragging her down a corridor and then another and another. Calissa jerks her arm away, hating being touched. I don't care about that woman, Brenna says with clenched teeth. Don't make me look bad. Let's go. Calissa is only 5'4 and she can barely keep up with her mother's pace. She's your mother. Calissa can't help but respond back. She's usually quiet, hates talking even. However, say anything bad about Annabelle and Calissa will bear fangs. Don't. Brenda doesn't even look to Calissa, which is even more frustrating. Deciding best to just ignore her mother altogether, Calissa starts playing with one of her many earrings. She has 13 in total, 8 on her right ear and 5 on her left. We're here. They stop at the white door. Entering... There's a man who appears to be in his mid-thirties, sitting down on a brown stool. He stands and smiles as he gestures for Calissa to sit in the black chair in front of him. The man has milk-white skin with brown eyes and short brown hair. He's wearing dark blue jeans and a white polo. Hi, Calissa. The man greets. My name is Arthur Princeton, and I'll be conducting the test for you today. Hello. She tries to be nice as her mother hovers over her. Remember Arthur, Brenna's voice rings out in the small room. Whatever results you present, you keep confidential. Wow. Calissa mutters under her breath. Your confidence is overwhelming. She deadpans. I know, Brenda. Now settle down and let me do my job. Arthur has a small smile on his face, like he knows Brenda's concerned about Calissa being a failure. Fuck her and fuck him too then. Please sit. He gestures again to the chair, and Calissa follows suit as he sits as well. He reaches in his blue jeans and pulls out a small black stone, whispers over it, and, Kaya, and Calissa closes her eyes as she places her hands on it. When the stone does, what the stone does is determine power. It changes colors depending on how strong you are or how strong you could become. Pink is no power. Maroon is basic power, meaning you can do a spell, but nothing to write home about. Yellow means there is potential to be great. Orange means you're ready to join a coven level of power. Red means you could practically lead the coven. Brown means very powerful. You could lead two covens. Then there was gray. It's rare to reach gray. 
There are those with the color gray who can even make it so that it's hard for people to even breathe in their presence. They are known as immortals. Immortals are mages that are so powerful. They gain energy from the earth, making them age so slow it's like they never die. Gray mages are a force to be reckoned with. Even more rare than a gray is double gray. There's only been one documented mace to reach that level, and he shattered the testing stone. Rumor has it, he used 25 limiters to keep his power in check and from disrupting the things around him. Limiters are objects spelled and worn by a mage to keep their energy limited. Those that are really powerful can seep energy from their pores and cause disruptions like electricity, even changing weather. Calissa Stone? is maroon. She flinches as her mother punches the wall, leaving a nice-sized hole. Arthur gives Callista a faint smile before placing the stone back in his pocket, standing. There you have it, Arthur says to Brenda. There is no way she belongs in the school, Arthur, Brenda sneers. We accept no one her age that is a below an orange, yellow, maybe. She's a pink. She has to leave. She's a maroon, not a pink. Author deadpans. She has power, just basic. She can keep up in class and she's your daughter. Don't remind me, Brenda snorts. She won't be joining any covens and probably won't be remembered, but there is power there, Arthur explains. Don't feel so utterly defeated. I'm literally standing right here. Calissa points to her chest. I won't be remembered, huh? Nice. Good to know I'm the invisible man just walking about with no existence. I don't have to be here, you know. I could always go live with my... She stops talking abruptly and shakes her head. One of her secrets was about to get disclosed. Your grandmother is dying. You can't stay with her. Brenda glares. Calista glares right back. She wasn't talking about her grandmother, but she can admit that out loud. Let's all settle down now, Arthur interrupts. You just told me I won't be remembered. Why are you even speaking to me right now? Calissa flares up. She can feel the anger burning in the pit of her stomach like a single ember that turns into a raging fire. She needs to calm down. She has to, but she can't, so she leaves. She walks right out of the room and keeps turning corridors until she sees outside. Growing up, Calissa only visited this school a handful of times, and that's not because her mother wanted her on campus, but because her grandmother had business to attend. Even still, with her lack of knowledge, Calissa does remember the basics. There are four main buildings. Easton hosts the main classes in the girls' dorm for girls who are under the age 18. Weston is for the library. Southton, South is for the lab classes and the girls' dorms who are 18 above. And then there's the North Building, which is for all the boys. Callista remembers these buildings, specifically because of how awful the names were. They got embedded into her memory. Walking out of the Easton Building, Callista reaches in the reaches the back courtyard. This is the courtyard that is behind all four main buildings. That means this courtyard is the most popular, which explains why it is already filled with people awaiting the start of the new semester from summer break. This school takes students aged 13 through 21. There are no grades. 
just ages is maddening. Six, she's 16 and she will have to join the other 16 year olds who have been here since 13 and are probably oranges by now. Great. Trying to get out of her funk, she finds a large oak tree and sits under it. There are bugs crawling all over the ground and she thinks she sees a spider, so she gets up and sits on an empty table instead. People are bustling about, talking and laughing like life is simply a breeze. She brings out her phone and hovers over her grandmother's number until a dark shadow appears. Looking up, she notices it belongs to a teenage boy. He seems to be average height, about five foot nine. He's average size with long black hair pinned up in a ponytail, kind of pale skin, with these crystal blue eyes that seem kind of hypnotizing. He smiles. Hey there, my name is Leonard. Are you new? He introduces. Clarissa looks around to see if he's been sent over here by a group of friends to laugh at her. Wouldn't be the first time that's happened. She sees no one looking, but still, she's skeptic. Uh, yeah. She decides to respond. I'm with the 16-year-old group. Hey, cool, me too. His smile widens. I like your piercings. My cousin dates a guy who is part of some Native American tribe, and they have piercings like that. Are you with the tribe? He takes a seat beside her like she, like he was invited to join Calissa's pity party. No, she says slowly, still waiting for the other shoe to drop. Are kids in New York really this nice? Or maybe it's just Wyoming that treated her like an outcast. Because of all her rings and piercings, she often got told that she looked like an emo, as if there's anything wrong with that anyways. Sorry, why are you here? He laughs. It's a hearty laugh that sounds like it's coming from the pit of his stomach. He leans his head back and holds his eyes, looking at Calissa. His laughter dies down and his smile increases tenfold. You're really rude. He chuckles. I like that. Are you a sadist? She can't help herself. She's normally shy and tends to stay away from people and doesn't bother talking, but for some reason with this Leonard guy, it's so easy. Ah, uh, you and Abigail must be related. Leonard's chuckle dies down. Abigail is a friend of mine. We all met when we were 13 and first came to this place. We being Abigail, Zinx, Chase, Lier, Trevor, and Safrina. Inseparable us. Ugh, must be nice. Calissa looks at her dead phone. To have so many friends. Most of the time. Leonard looks off into the distance briefly. Then again, it's like a bunch of added siblings you can't get rid of and you really want to kill half the time, but you know you can't. <laughs> also, must be nice. She feels herself laughing. I'm an only child. Grew up in Wyoming and had no friends. If I grew up in Wyoming, I wouldn't have any friends either. Leonard shakes his head. They probably all go around hunting animals and doing drugs. Ah, uh, don't forget the underage drinking and the sex, Calissa points out. Ah, oh, that's right. How could I forget the underage drinking and sex? Leonard smacks his forehead. Then there's me, who dresses in all black, has a bunch of piercings, and doesn't like to talk. Calissa shrugs. About that. Leonard points to her ears. How does one have so many piercings and you're only 16? Ah, Calissa touches one of her earrings. My grandmother did them for me, actually. Nice. Leonard reaches out like he's going to touch one and Calissa pulls away out of instinct. Sorry, shouldn't have been so invasive. 
I just don't like human contact, she mumbles, suddenly feeling nervous. Strange enough, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Part of the charm, I'm sure. He laughs it off like it's nothing. Calissa gets a little bubble of jealousy as she looks at him. He seems happy. Like, genuinely so. Like, nothing phases him for too long. It must be nice. Calissa wonders what it feels like to be happy. The only time she feels anything close to happiness is when she's with her grandmother. The same woman who's currently dying and no number of spells or medicine can seem to fix it. You know me, Calissa snorts. All charm over here. She gestures to her body. Another part of your charm must not be introducing yourself, he says slowly. She fights the urge to blush. Calissa, she announces. She's had better training than this. Never heard of a name like that before, he seems to be thinking, but I like it. He looks like he wants to say something else, but a group of people walk up to the table, interrupting. She's used to this, the whole non-existing thing. They're all laughing and start climbing in the empty seats, completely ignoring that Calissa's even there. Leo, my man, a guy with short black hair, slaps Leonard on the back twice. He's sitting right beside Leonard. Did you see Callie Morgan today? She's wearing the most sinister red skirt. By sinister, he means you can see her underwear. A girl with blonde hair rolls her eyes as she states, What underwear? A red-haired girl seems to say in disgust. She was going commando. I saw cheeks. That's the point. The black-haired guy smirks. See? Sinister. You guys are too much for me right now. Leonard laughs, showing teeth. Of course. How could we forget our prince of all things right and true would never stare at a woman's naked bum without her permission? A guy with brown hair teases. I like the title, Prince. Call me that more often. Leonard looks at Calissa and winks. Her mouth opens slightly as if she had no idea what to say or do. She doesn't. She's bewildered. It seems like the gesture, however, has shown light to her presence because now six new pairs of eyes are staring at her expectantly. If she could politely slink, slink away without saying anything, oh, she would. Oh, a new face, the guy with black hair says with a loud tone. Calissa shies away and starts looking down at the table. She plays with the rings on her fingers. She's a bit shy. Leonard bumps shoulders with her. Her name is Calissa, and she's our age. She's new from Wyoming, and she'll be taking classes with us. Calissa, that's Zinc, Abigail, Chase, Trevor, Lierre, Safrina. Calissa appreciates him taking charge. I do like the shy ones. A guy with blonde hair, which is Trevor, gives a half smirk that looks more devious than anything. As to yourself, Leonard seems to warn. Ooh, Leo the lion is ready to roar. She must be special. The guy with black hair, named Chase, jokes. Some laugh, but the girl with red hair, Abigail, seems to scowl. What's your color then? Abigail flips her red hair over her pale bare shoulder. Calissa sniffs and doesn't respond. Is that really appropriate to ask? Leonard looks to the redhead. If she's in this school and in our greed, then I think it is appropriate to ask. The redhead girl defends her question. If she's going to be sitting with us, then she should at least be an orange. Anything else is demeaning. He sat with me. 
Calissa has the burst of anger come out of her again. She bites her tongue and settles back down. This darkness and anger have always been inside of her, just threatening to break free. It takes every ounce of her control to keep it at bay, but sometimes it likes to rear its ugly head. Oddly enough, normally she's shy and awkward, but sometimes... Well, sometimes it's like she could fight the world and win. She doesn't understand it at all. I'm sorry, the red-haired girl blinks. It sounds like you're getting an attitude, Abigail. Leonor says in a low tone, settle down. I'm actually kind of curious as well. The blonde-haired guy, Trevor, speaks. But his questioning seems out of genuine curiosity more than malicious intent. Come on, Trevor, not you too. Leonard whines as the blonde-haired, green-eyed boy smiles. Let her answer. Abigail looks at Calissa expectantly, and Calissa sighs as she stands. If you must know, I'm a maroon. Calissa waits for the laughter, and sure enough, it comes from everyone except Leonard and a girl, Safrina, who has short blonde hair and dark blue eyes. Oh my god. Abigail's pale face is turning as red as her hair. How did you even get let into this school? I was in the room when I was six. Seriously? Trevor snorts. Were you born a pink and turned into maroon? Seriously low-level magic. Whose cock did you have to suck to get in this school? Calissa wheels back the tears in her eyes. She's been beat down by her mother her entire life. She doesn't need it from strangers. My grandmother's grandmother founded this school. Calissa goes starts on a tangent. Now that my grandmother is dying from stage 4 cancer, I'm forced to live here because my grandmother doesn't want me to watch her to die. That's why I'm here. And fuck every single one of you. She storms off. And as she does, she hears Leonard call her name and Abigail's laughter ringing loud in her ears. Making a few steps inside the building... She feels someone grab her arm and sees this Leonard. She's ready to fight him off, fuss him out, something, anything. There's a burning in her eyes and a lump in her throat, and she just wants to be alone. Abigail is out of line, Leonard says in a calming tone. Listen, many here will care whether you're a maroon or an orange or not. They'll act just like Abigail. My mom, though, she's human. I grew up different. I don't care what level of power anyone has. Power doesn't make a person any better. Where was Leonard when Calissa was growing up? Where was he to defend her when her own mother would hit her and call her useless, magicless, worthless? Where was Leonard? Abigail was Calissa's only saving grace, but her grandmother wasn't always around. To cope, Calissa stopped talking, stopped caring. She withdrew from the world, and as a result, she's emotionally crippled. I just want to go to my room. Calissa finally responds with a tight voice. Hey, no, don't go. Calissa looks to see Zink standing behind Leonard. I'm sorry for laughing back then. That was mean of me. And if my father ever found out a laugh like that, he would seriously kick my ass up and down these halls. Zink walks closer to her. I'm Zink Meyer. Thanks and hi, Calissa mumbles. I'm going to my room now. Calissa appreciates the apology and him coming to meet her, but she's done meeting new people for today. She walks away, and this time, no one follows. As she enters her room and allows the solitude to consume her, she's finally at peace. She has her grandmother, and she has her secrets. 
she doesn't need anything else all right you guys so that was the end of chapter one i hope you guys liked it um if you do like it please please try to favor this or go to the facebook page at ya audio podcast let me know if you want me to continue reading this or if you want me to start on a different book um again if you are just now checking out my podcast welcome to this podcast i hope you enjoy um i will be reading from the book called the immortal mage chronicles it has not been published so this is an original novel that you will only be able to hear on this podcast um so again i hope everyone's enjoying it um please check out the facebook page just so i can know what your guys thoughts are about everything and i hope you have a good rest of your day